Good evening. What we have well, we've had with a top five now starting to develop. <laughs> Bell's not laughing at me. I'm trying to do the intro. This is outrageous. I'm just um, laughing at how the top five is developing. The top five is developing nicely. Elsewhere, Chelsea in the mud, Manchester United in the mud, normal service is resumed. And Sheffield United, probably the worst Premier League team I've ever seen. All of that and more on today's episode of From the Back Seat. And it's different. It's different today because Hugh's not here. He's not been cut. He's just not here because we've got new, fresh blood and fresh energy. And one of them, actually, one of them has been here before, and that's Joseph Doherty, our Chelsea correspondent. Welcome back to the pod, Joe. It's really nice to have you. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. I thought I was banned after last time, but you guys keep reeling me back in. <laughs> no, you, you've completed your suspension period, um, and, you know, it's been reset to zero, so it's all good. It's a new season, new vibes. I appreciate you leaving me out whilst Chelsea was having a bit of a mare. That's quite nice. And now, back in the fray where I'm... Uh, where I need to be. I'm sorry, I've completely lost you there, but don't worry about it. That's a technical problem, which <laughs> is one take, so I'm sure it'll be fine. It will resolve itself. He looks confused. It'll be fine. And then we have someone brand new as well, which is Belle, our new Tottenham correspondent and probably the most Tottenham mad person I think I've ever met. <laughs> so I welcome. am blessed. Thank you so much for, for having me on. I'm excited. There's never been a better time to have a Tottenham correspondent. And I was kind of hoping when we booked you in that this would be the week where it all started to fall apart. But no, they continue to ride out their luck and be jammy and enjoy their sad little life. Having <laughs> the best Premier League start of all time. Um, so we will talk about that a lot more. But I think the first game, the main game of the weekend was Manchester Derby. So Manchester United 0, Manchester City 3. Um, you both watched it. So... I'm going to give you some stats and I'm just going to let you just talk about how you feel, really. How do you feel? Um, here's something interesting. How many goals do you think the Manchester United front six attackers have, have contributed this season? Goals and assists. Martial, Rashford, Sancho, Anthony, Holland, and Garnacho. That's tough. Um... Maybe a total of about, let's say, unlucky number 13. That seems too this, high. Yeah, this season. Um, this season? Six. It's two. <laughs> <laughs> it's two. It's mental. It's two. Rashford's Ooh. got a goal and assist and that's it. The rest of them have contributed absolutely nothing. And I feel like that's a good summary of why Manchester United is so bad at the moment. Like their back line was atrocious in this game, but also they have absolutely no goals in their team outside of like McTominay being on fire or like Fernandez doing something. That's basically it. Um, and then you compare that with City and there's just goals everywhere, especially one man in particular. So yeah, I pretty actually, mismatched. Um, I, read a, I read something um, yesterday that said that apparently United and City have actually spent the exact same amount of money since Alex Bergson left. That's so disgraceful. <laughs> That's actually so disgraceful that they could be this far apart. They've spent so much money, Manchester United. I know Glaze are terrible owners, but they actually spend loads of money. They're not the worst owners in the world. Let's be real. How much do you think? I don't know how much they spent on Ronaldo, but I'm guessing that's a chunk of it. I don't remember. Are we counting wages here or just the full-on price? Um, that I don't know. That is the good question. With wages, I mean... You're looking at a Saudi penny with uh, just the price paid, probably not so much. 
But it's not even just that. It's like, when was the last time Manchester United actually bought someone good? Who's like, who was actually a good signing? Like, look at the summer. Mason Let's Mount. What's happened to Mason Mount already? Not playing the big games. Um, not like not good fitting time. in. Good question. You know, Casemiro. Good question. He's, he's chunky now. <laughs> he just can't be asked. Amrabat. Amrabat is average. They got World Cup fever and they thought he was good. He's rubbish. He's just so average. And then Holland. I think Anana is good. Sounds like Holland. You think Anana oh, is good? You think Anana is interesting? Yeah, it's quite oh. controversial. I think I think he was good yesterday, and I think. Um, Do you think that's quite a low bar when you lose three 0 I think he was good. Still at think he was I think good. I'm just. I don't know. I mean, I've actually I have quite a low bar in terms of goalkeepers. Um, <laughs> as I've, I've had Larice for like ten years. Hmm. I used that's to, really yeah, until now. You know what they say: United shirt weighs heavy, and it really does. You know, but if you look at their front line, who have we really got? We've got Anthony. He's a uh, He's a bag of tricks, and they're all shit. <laughs> we got uh, Oyland, who actually looks quite decent. Rashford, who I, he he is an anomaly to me because he is so fantastic sometimes. When he's he wants a new contract, goals and assists, exactly goals and assists out of his out of his ears when he wants to, aka when he wants to get paid another three hundred and fifty grand a week. But mm-hmm. now. You know, it, it's like he just disappears. But you watch the games and it's not for want of trying. So it just it just really baffles me. And uh, he's still he's still going to get in the World Cup squad. I can see it. And it's, it's... I mean, fortunately, he's not bringing it to the league because I am perfectly happy to see United not do so well. As am I, mate. I think it's something that collectively we can always enjoy. Like, they are always the villain. And just watching them be terrible. Mm. Watching a back line of Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire as well. It's just like, how is it possible to spend a billion pounds and be here? Like, this I don't is know crazy. why Harry Maguire is still there. I honestly thought he was going. Because they couldn't, they couldn't get rid of him because they were like 40 mil. If you don't pay 40 mil, you can't have Harry Maguire. And no one wanted to pay 40 mil. So they just kept him. Do you think this is like the England legacy situation like everyone just thinks that immediately once you've got enough caps for England that automatically increases your value hugely I think Mm. so I also think Manchester United are terrible at selling players and they will price themselves out of selling a player every summer and just set like unrealistic asking prices and then extend Mm. their contract another year and another year so that they can maintain that value that doesn't exist so I think it's I agree with you because he's English, he's inflated, but it's also a Manchester United problem, I think. Like, they tried mm. to sell McTominay, in, in Mag- couldn't get rid of him either. In Maguire's case, though, I think he, they actually said yes to a bid from West Ham in the summer. Yeah, and that's he what decided I not to go. Mm. Greedy boy. He must be on a lot of money at Manchester United. Yeah, mm. I think it's depressing. Me too. So I guess in terms of points in the game, I thought like some of the defending was pretty horrendous at times. I feel like 3-0 was quite good. This was actually the second <laughs> the second like highest XG that anyone's ever got in the Premier League. So Man City got an XG of four. They only scored three goals. So this could have easily been a 6-0 on another day, which shows how bad it is. And I guess it raises the question, is Eric Ten Hag... Is he doomed now? Is it just the slow death of another Man United manager and the cycle continues? And then they buy a whole host of new players who don't quite fit in with the current squad. 
and we just start again from year zero. And then in two years, we just replay this episode and go again. Mm. Good point. I think Man United in general are doomed right now with the players they've got and, and you know what's in the in the stable. There's mm. no chance for them to improve. I just don't see that squad no. of players gelling under any manager. I mean, you know, I, if I was them, I would keep him. Uh, Ten Hag, he seems to be a disciplinian, uh, disciplinarian. Sorry, he seems to to know what he wants in terms of culture and style. So maybe it's just a case that he needs the players to do it. Yeah, but it's pretty slim pickings when you've got to bring on Regulon. So I think there's, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think they're going to be hoping for something to happen in January. And I, I think if the if the Ten Hag situation is still uncertain, then they're not going to put any money into it. Do you think I so? don't know who else would who else would they bring in there. Conte is the only person right. I know off the top of my head that's looking. Oh fuck me! Can you imagine bringing Conte in there? That would last well, about three months. That'd be so fun to watch. I can tell you now. I have lived it, and you have lived it. You've both lived it. The trauma <laughs> of Conte. <laughs> Two Conte it, survivors. And how do you feel? Honestly. I don't even I don't even like talking about it. I had to go to therapy. Um no, that's not even a joke. Um I know it was it's not. <laughs> an unhinged experience um under Conte. But um I'm excited but also to dig late in We liked it. We won the Premier League. He won a he, he, he was a really good manager for us. Do you remember like Diego Costa's big time game? You know, he, he scored twenty five goals that season. He was awesome, you know. For us, Conte was number one until that next season. And then the, the what we would call the standards of Conte mood changed, didn't it? And he became a little bit more testy. <laughs> that's one word for it. Um, I think maybe that's the thing as well, is that there are some managers like Jose, like Conte, who um, once they've set a certain standard for themselves, then... I don't really understand why they go to clubs that need a lot of work and then are immediately pissed off about it. Um, they want to go to clubs where it's guaranteed that they're all good, like a club like City, where you just expected to win, win everything. Um, United, I don't think have the there's not enough confidence behind them right now to to take a manager who who um, isn't is already established. Yeah, agreed there. I don't really know what his problem is. He doesn't seem to actually want to do any work anymore. I think that's part of the issue. A bit like Mourinho. It's like they don't like that you have to work a lot harder these days and you have to be like a good person on top of being a hard worker. They just want to go back to the old times where they just tell people what to do and they do it. It's just mm. a simpler time, really. They're legacy managers. A thought for you guys. After a player gets paid after a certain amount of salary, let's say 300000 a week, do you think they automatically just stop caring? Are you talking about anyone in particular? Maybe Jaden Sancho? Because I agree when it comes to Jaden Sancho. Why pay him 350k a week and then expect him to turn up for training on time? It's guaranteed. Mm. I would say the same for um, Tangi and Dombele. No one wants to play him. He's our second most expensive signing of all time. Is he still there? Uh, he's on loan. <laughs> Again, he's all, okay. So basically, his contract runs up this coming summer, and basically, we're all saying that we're going to have a party, not because we've won the league, but because we finally shifted Ndombele. How much money is he on? <laughs> out of interest? 
Um, I, th- I don't know on a um, salary basis, but I think it was like a 95, not, was it 95 mil? It was something unhinged. Like it was not precedented on any level, um, but there was high hopes. He scored like two goals, then he just became unbearable. Yeah. Shocking and, stuff. You know, and no one started stuff. him. Yeah, no, and no manager guy. could get past him. Like, because that's the thing. I think he he must have had five or six managers in the time that he's been at Spurs and not a single one has wanted to play him. Mm. Well, that's uh, the only other kind of argument I can say is Man City. If you are Man City, this doesn't count. Everyone's on the wage, doesn't matter. They only have 115 financial fair bre- play breaches. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, their, their, that's the club's problem. The players are all laughing. Yeah, it's a good point. Before we move on, is there anything you want to add about Man City? Because it's my least favourite topic. I kind of hate Man City. And so we give them pretty much no airtime. Because what do you say? Haaland's yeah. really good at scoring goals. Man City are really good at football. And it's actually just quite tedious. They never yeah, concede I... the first goal. There's no jeopardy. They just grind out wins unless Rodri's injured. And then that's it. You know, my favourite my favorite thing is when I look at that video of when they won the treble and all the fans are just on their phones, like looking at like the horse racing or something. They don't even care. <laughs> no one's even smiling. It's because um, they're only two years old. They're only just getting to grips with like, what is football? They're not real <laughs> fans. They're not real people. I've never met a Man City fan. Like if we wanted to get a Man City correspondent, it would be so hard. We'd have to go to I Manchester actually, and find I actually them. used to live with this Man City fan. Um... And when did they start liking football? Was it in the last five years? It was not, actually. It was when she was about six years old. Um, okay. But she, she gets be a, a real lot fan. of hate. Yeah, it's justified. What is a real fan? I think a real fan is someone Ooh. who didn't... Well, for Man City, it's someone who started supporting them before they became this elite-like team, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I'd say. I think if, if you chose to support a team because they were the best at that time, that's not a good thing. Okay, that's weird. We've, we've lost Joe, but that's okay because we'll just carry on, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think anyone anyone who started supporting City because they won the treble is, to me, not a real fan. But yeah, maybe that's not a good way of looking at it. Maybe that's just modern fans now. Well, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, uh, I think that a lot of people, accessibility to... to accessibility is what kind of helps you become a fan right and I think that it's obviously incredibly expensive and difficult to get into any of these like top six clubs just in able Mm. to just in terms of like visibility on the ground um so yeah you could be a glory hunter and you just watch match the day and then talk about it um but I think for me at least um I don't believe you have to physically be there to be a fan because obviously a lot of people support from all around the world um but um I really don't like this idea that um, you're only a fan if you're born into it or if you've stuck out long enough through the shit. Um, so I think also mm. there's a lot of people who obviously support like championship teams and stuff who've never, who's expect who what they get out of football isn't trophies or expecting loads of glory. It's just like having something to talk about with people that they like. So, yeah. If you think about America, you know, and for the American listeners, you know, we're talking to you right here. There are people who have just joined the football uh, Premier League communion from America. And, and, you know, 
how can you say to them that you can't love Blackburn Rovers just because you weren't born in Blackburn? Mm. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. So you have, <laughs> I've met some of the staunchest Premier League football supporters out in America. I mean, they, they may still call it so- soccer, but um, <laughs> they, 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 they are rather brilliant in their own little way. I think if you're willing to wake up at like seven o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning to watch football, then I've, I've serious hats off to you. Cause you're I not wrong. You are not wrong. Arguably, you are a more dedicated fan than the people that live around the corner <laughs> at that point, because like that is inconveniencing your whole life. <laughs> to base it just around like supporting a team watching football have you watched the Wrexham documentary because there's like some fans from like Japan or something and like Australia they come all the way to Wrexham just because of the like because of the series to watch oh, that's like, fifth, fifth tier English football and they're just like I love Wrexham so much like, how has this happened it's like the power <laughs> of content you know just a bit of like stories and they're like oh my god it's Keith who owns the fish and chip shop? Can I have a oh, let's get down the turf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so mad. <laughs> so uh, you get people hooked no, on no, anything no. with the right with Rick- the right backstory. I love Rickson from that show. It's a great show. It's it's I a lo- great I like story. Him too. You know, yeah. <laughs> I do really like it yeah. as well. It's dangerous. Final question for you guys on this game, though. Just while we're in the conversational spirit, what mm. has happened to Jack Greenish? Where's he gone? Yeah, he was never that good, mate. He just had great calves and little socks. That's what I reckon. No, I, I think wasn't he injured for a bit? And then also it's like a meritocracy. So Doku looks really good. He looks fun. So there's just no space for him currently. But I feel like he was always a rotational player anyway. Mm. Like mm. he's not an undroppable player in City. There's only like what, three or four of them. Like the spine, everyone else is interchangeable. Do you remember? Do you remember though when? Um, Conte, Diego Costa dropped a, a bowl of water on Conte's head during that press conference. Uh, and it, you know, then suddenly he's the bad guy. Do you think Jack Grealish, since his antics when they won the <laughs> Champions League and the Premier League and the treble, you know, going out, getting drunk, slapping Guardiola on the back of the head and calling him baldy? You know, don't know if that actually happened, by the way. But <laughs> all of the antics, you know. <laughs> I, I can imagine Guardiola is not the kind of person who enjoys that kind of person around him. I mean, to be honest with you, I think, uh, and this is making me think of actually about the Beckham doc, um, I think that Guardiola needs a reminder that in like British football, there are going to be homegrown players who uh, who don't come from huge amounts of um the same experiences like they've all like this is a thing is that Jack Grealish at the end of the day um was extremely coddled and familiar with at Villa um couldn't put a foot wrong I'm sure got little slaps on the wrist and nothing ever came of it um and I think he's gone from big fish small pond mm-hmm. into throwing himself into a situation where just like you were saying earlier is he in it for the money because he knows he's not going to get all the game time um and I think maybe he's a little bit frustrated at not having that big fish mentality anymore yeah but we should allow it because this is not just one person's one person i think it's fine like he's maxed out his career in a way that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to but you are right joe he is not a good professional um which is quite surprising that guardiola is so patient with him so maybe yeah maybe he's just been waiting to to kind of slowly move him on also bit tin hat tin foil hat but man city do need 
X number of English players to play in the Champions League. And that's why they bought him. So there is that. And they sold us Toll Palmer. So. Yeah, that was a weird one. That was a really weird one, actually. I, I, I will save that to our, our Chelsea Save that. Segment. Yeah, it's like, part I have two. words to say. Yes. There you go. <laughs> if you like Cole Farmer and you want to hear Joe's opinion, you have to stick around part two. Um, okay, let's move on to Arsenal. You both don't like Arsenal, so this will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arsenal won 5 0 against Sheffield United, and Eddie Nketiah got his first ever Premier League hat trick. Isn't that nice? Ooh. That nice homegrown player getting his first hat trick, giving giving the ball to his mate for a penalty because they're having a baby. It's just good vibes, really, isn't it, guys? It's really good vibes. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great vibes. I'm here for it. Personally. And I put forward a proposal for you guys, and I I don't know if this is it's nothing to do with the Arsenal game. Sorry, Gunners. Sorry, guys. But wouldn't it be funny? if Tottenham became the Invincibles part two? This would be carnage. North London would be on fire. I'm actually, I'm not even really able to answer that um, right now. I'm, I'm trying to be as... Bell's having an anxiety attack just thinking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's just so great, you know, when you're playing really, when you're playing really shit, you're just miserable but when you're playing really good you're also miserable because it's like when is it gonna mm. but no back to the uh the arsenal game um unsurprisingly I'm gonna move past that all right we'll try again later no we will we'll come back to, we will come back to that for sure um no unsurprisingly i um decided not to watch the highlights after i saw the score um so i have not very much to contribute on that um except that i think from a Tottenham perspective, I'm aware that the experience of what they went through last season um, is only going to have like strength in their situation right now. Obviously, we're the only two unbeaten sides. Um, I think they probably have a bit more, well, they obviously have more experience of this. Um, I also think as well, just, in, uh, just a little note on Arsenal, um, the way that other parts of Arsenal Football Club has really like come up in terms of like women's football, um there is a huge huge new kind of resurgence of like popularity and interest in the general arsenal fan base um Mm -hmm. which i think and a lot more money going into it um a lot more kind of sponsorships and stuff going on so i think arsenal is just like on the brain right now in a way that it hasn't been for a while and i personally don't really like it (laughs) (laughs) it's all sounding so wholesome i was like who are you what's going on here you're not wrong though like the point about like women's football and the Arsenal team, like I'm looking at some of their transfers. I'm like interested. I'm reading about it. It's just an mm-hmm. awareness piece. Like I remember we went to Bath for Emma's birthday and like it was, was it the Euros or the World Cup? It was the World Cup, wasn't it? Um, the World Cup was on and like it was just on in all the pubs and it was just people just like just watching it. And I was like, this would have literally never happened even like two years ago. It's just people mm-hmm. walk over and be like, what's the score, mate? And I'll be like, oh, mate, it's 1-0. They'll be like, oh, sick. Can you like this is mental, you know? This guy, who doesn't look like he cares about women's football, bloody loves it. And it's taken no time. And everyone was talking about it all the time. So I'm massively here for it. And I find it very interesting looking at the I've Ballon d'Or, say, like how much I know about it now within months. No, I think that it's interesting. Like I went to watch um, England, USA in like a, a friendly last year. 
and um, at Wembley and I was genuinely so enthralled I couldn't take my eyes off the ball I was absolutely like enamored with the style of football that was so much more creative so much more bitey um, so much more drama and just so much more like togetherness in the, in the stadium than I've ever seen at a men's England game and I was like genuinely 100 times would rather go and see that than go and see men's England under Southgate right now controversial no, no, I think you're right. There's a, mm. it's a unifying experience. It's a different experience. It got too tribal. It's way too tribal because of club football in the men's game now. Like, mm. I, there are certain players that people hate. It's become less tribal, but it's still pretty, pretty bad. But I think everyone's just rooting for the women's team to just do well. Mm. There's not that so toxicness to yet. Bring this back to the Arsenal game, guys. Speaking of tribalism, <laughs> two fans here not wanting to talk about Arsenal. It was brilliant. <laughs> It was a it was a brilliant game. They did very well. Five nil. Anyone who scores five goals in a game and uh, in Ketty with a hat trick, you know, absolutely fantastic. But can we just talk about a young man called Saka? Okay. Oh yeah, I thought you were going to go a different way there. Yeah, of course, of course, mate. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but Saka is is in he is an absolute champion right now. He's on fire. You see, every single thing he does, he's always cutting in from that left hand side, always shooting, always making assists. I think it, I read an interesting stat around uh, him coming records with uh, coming level with Ian Wright for scoring or assisting in six consecutive games. I mean, it's it's pretty correct. ridiculous right now. But when you play Sheffield it, United and they win five nil and he doesn't break that record, you think, bro, come on, like, what are you what are you doing at that point? How has Saka got two FPL points from this fixture? It's mental. It's true. It's true, but you know it's a it's a team game, and even though no, <laughs> sounded very uh, sounded very much like a post match footballer right now. It's all about the team at the end of the day, guys. You know, it's all about the three points. <laughs> it's what it's what Kai Havertz says every single game. It's, it's a team no, game. I bet he does. I bet he does. It's got nothing else to cling on to. Emil Smith Rowe is coming for his spot. Sixty-three <laughs> million. Oh, that was fantastic. Thank you, Arsenal. Thank you. It's nice because you can finally stop pretending that he's good now, and you can actually just see with your with your eyes finally that he's so bad uh, but anyway speaking of bad Sheffield United so bad oh my <laughs> god <laughs> the fact that they lost 5-0 and this is not even their worst defeat of the season it's only 10 games long is mental are you, are you suggesting that Paul Heckingbottom cannot remove them from despair <laughs> I honestly Paul go as far as saying that if you hire Paul Heckingbottom or anyone who's got bottom in their name you're going to be bottom <laughs> You've manifested it yourself. You've he's, only got yourself you to blame. You say that, but Sheffield United is one of like Tottenham's bogey teams. They knocked us out the FA Cup last season. Well, we played them already this season and we managed to win, but only in the 105th minute. Otherwise, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was... It I think that says more about Tottenham, really, game. if I'm honest. <laughs> says more about well, Tottenham well, than Sheffield United. Well, yeah. You must ask, like Sheffield United, what are their owners doing? They got rid of their two best players in the summer coming up from the Championship. Sandra hmm. Berger, who's Sandra, not Sand- Sander <laughs> Berger. Uh, Sandra is going back to the women's game, but Sander Berger, who, who moved to... Uh, uh, Did we to Burnley? Burnley, if I or remember Bournemouth rightly. Or yeah. And then you have Indai, who's absolutely smashing it up for, for Marseille right now. Uh, and uh, I get it. They bought in Archer from Aston Villa just to kind of supplement. But realistically, you know, they're, they're not going to make inroads without investment no. if you come up to the Premier League. So 
I don't even think they should bother at this point. I honestly think they're so bad. They might as well just take the money and just go back down and just pretend <laughs> that's, it's never happened. Honestly, think thing. about They'll this. They'll probably buy players in January. They're probably they, going to go invest in January. It's the same just, mistake as, as they all make. I, you know? I think just get a couple of lone players, try and get over 15 points. But they've got one point. This is the worst Premier League start in history. Got one point after 10 games. That means after 38 games, based on this, they might have like four or five points. Goal difference is minus 22 oh, after 10 games. They are so mm. bad. They're so bad. They are. I think they're the worst Premier League team I've ever seen so far. I don't even think that's unfair. They're honestly so shit. And I just think what poor bunch of people, those away fans that like go from like Sheffield to London or like to Newcastle every weekend, pay like a couple hundred pounds, they go up there, they get absolutely battered like 4-0 and they come home in the rain and the cold and they just sit down at dinner and they're like, 37 more games of this. It's just so football depressing. Family. Football family can be a source of masochism sometimes, can't it? Like 100%. Yeah. Like, they will celebrate any win like they've won the whole Premier League, I think, at this point. Breaking 15 points will be like they won. They, they're going down. They're going down hard. Yeah, but then do you think, I guess sort of to counter that, don't you think that we have certain expectations of what we think constitutes having a good time with our football club, which I guess in your case is like trophies and stuff. But then if the biggest thing that have happened to them was coming <laughs> up to the... It's like if the biggest thing was actually going to like coming up to the Premier League, that is probably the... They, or, they already know that's the... I actually set myself up for that. Uh, so. so what's your definition <laughs> of success? Um, for me, it's not going home and crying into my dinner every night, so I'm having a great time. Oh, dear. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. For, Chelsea, for you guys with Chelsea and Liverpool, your, your definition is like just trophies and stuff. <laughs> with Tottenham, it's just... It's just about vibes, really, isn't it? It's just about vibes. New stadium, few chants at Daniel yeah. Levy, a little bit of... Uh, you know, some expensive pies in the new stadium. It's, it's all about the fun. Family day out. <laughs> the pies are ridiculously expensive, but the pints do fill up from the bottom. So that's that's where I've seen that. I don't um, understand oh, the logistics. Started of it. from the yeah. bottom. Now we're here. There we go. <laughs> well, now we're top of the league. So, um, so yeah, accurate. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's what I was saying. Is that it's interesting? I've got a couple of Fulham fans. Friends. Um, I've got family who support Ipswich. I think that there is a sort of um, a lot of people that I know feel quite like snidely towards people who support top six clubs because um, because they know that at the end of the day, like what's important to being a football fan is literally just committing to something that hurts, that is shit, yeah. and not having high expectations and kind of like holding each other's hands through the horrors. Um and so coming up and qualifying for the Premier League is the biggest thing that's ever going to happen to Sheffield. So they've had that. <laughs> I don't disagree with you on a lot of those points. All I'd say is that last time they came up, they were quite revolutionary. You know, they were playing this mm -hmm. like marauding centre-back, wing-back system and they were like shocking a lot of people. So mm -hmm. they have had it a lot better when they came up. Like, you don't yeah. have to have such a bad time. This is the worst time anyone's ever had, <laughs> you know. Well, of it, of do you want to find one to bring on the pod? I don't think, I don't think it'd be possible. I'd love to, I'd love to, but do you know what? I'll think about it. I'll see, I'll see what can be done. I'm conscious of time because part one's almost over, but I'm going to try and bosh out Liverpool really quickly. Uh, Liverpool three, Nottingham Forest nil. 
Uh, okay, good news. So Bosley is very good at football. Two assists. Love that guy. He's he's the best midfielder we've signed in a long time. So that's nice. That's nice for us, isn't it? We just smashed it. Could have bought Mason Mount. Wanted Mason Mount. Look at us now. Don't even need him. Bellingham who? Sabotslai. So that's great. Uh, Graven Birch looks good as well. We got him really cheap. Unbelievably cheap. Even cheaper than Madison, which I think was the best signing of the summer. And everything's looking great at Liverpool right now. We look like a much better team than last season. We look much more functional. We score goals across the front line consistently. And it seems like we're actually... We, we basically do boom and bust seasons. So last season was a bust. This is going to be a boom mm-hmm. one. Next season will be a bust again. So I'm hoping that we can be in some kind of four or five title, uh, five horse title race for like as long as possible, at least till February. Uh, what do you think changed? Bought a whole new midfield. It's so honestly mm-hmm. that simple. Um, we had like Henderson who, I think we all got in the trap of defending Henderson playing really bad football by just saying, He's a really yeah. good leader, though. And then no, but it turns this is exactly out... what I was referring to about the England being like an England player just suddenly apparently elevates someone. Yeah, exactly that. And like a lot of the younger players have come on. I feel like, yeah, we're just playing for something again. I feel like we can't go really hard for two seasons in a row for some reason. We need we need like a point to prove, which is why we do these boom and bust patterns. Um, all I all I'm going to say to keep it keep it quick is Nottingham Forest goalie is very, very bad, I'd say. Matt Turner from Arsenal. He's very, very bad at football and he was very bad in this game. He came to get the ball for the third goal and just completely missed it and just left an open goal, which was really bad. (laughs) But he's been bad all season. And I just think they had, last season, Dean Henderson for the first half and then Caelan Navas for the second half. And they were great. Mm. And then they've got Matt Turner, who Arsenal were literally trying to give away. And you think, like, how has this happened? How have they not managed to secure one of those two on another loan at least? So I'm a bit they worried about bought, them. They bought about 20 players yeah. in, in the window. It seems they chose this very guy. strange. Yeah, very they chose strange. him. He's awful. Mm. Uh, mm. Lost no. Uh, Liverpool, Liverpool doing very well. So you guys are slowly picking up points. Kind of in the background, really. I don't yeah, know. Kind of going under us. the radar. You know, Salah is cooking a little bit. Darwin's cooking. Um, it's all coming together, bro. Salah, Salah's on. How is McAllister doing? Because I, I, I you watch the highlights mm. and you watch the games, and they, they, you know, you see him in the background, but you don't really pay a lot of attention to him. With uh, so I think he's not playing to his full potential, but he's playing like a very disciplined role. You know, he's being the deepest midfielder. He's doing like a lot of the simple but important work so that Sabotsly can just bosh around um, and like be box to box. So I think he's playing within himself, but until we get a proper defensive midfielder, this is just his lot. It'd be nice to see them in tandem, kind of, you know, being two box to box, a bit like Arsenal's system of two number eights Mm. that do that and operate like that. But for now, he's doing the dirty work and he's a bloody good lad and I'm here for it. What do you want to see in January? I wouldn't mind another centre-back because we're always very close to like a very tired Joel Matip or a very average Joe Gomez. I wouldn't mind another centre-back <laughs> or a defensive midfielder, but I don't think we'll sign anyone because that's not what we do. We don't <laughs> sign people in January. We just talk about it a lot and then we don't sign anyone. But I'm not opposed to it. 
That's do you know? It. Do you know who's available? Maguire. Yeah, I'll probably pass on that one. But do you know who would be a good stopgap? Derek Dyer. Oh fuck me! He would fill both of those positions on paper, but I in reality, neither. He's so shit. <laughs> I've always said it, and I don't know how he keeps getting games. Um, but anyway, that's enough for part one. So please come back for part two, and we'll see you in a sec. back from the back seat so it's, it's the bit you've been waiting for that's why we have correspondents so they can talk about how painful they feel or how elated they feel first up is pain and it's chelsea <laughs> zero brentford two um before i let you i let you unleash brentford have more home wins than uh chelsea at stanford bridge this year i think yeah, that's mental quite well aren't they mm. <laughs> they've got two <laughs> So that's oh. an interesting one. <laughs> so oh, it's awful, isn't it? It's awful. But but I I feel like Brentford. Uh, they they came to do what they wanted to do, which was to to shut up shop. They came mm. low block. They put all the the, the men behind the ball. Um, standards, you know, when a play, when the team comes to play Chelsea, they just want to stop us. They don't really care about playing football or doing anything useful. But uh, on the back of that. Ethan Pinnock got a nice goal. He did. Standard centre-back goal. You know, it, when I was watching the game, I knew that after all of our good play, if someone's going to be scoring against us, it would probably be a centre-back. And then, of course, the icing on the cake was that uh, the goal <laughs> when Sanchez was up for the corner just to, you know, nicely run it through. One of my favourites. Take, take, take the finish. But, but you know, oh, overall... Wait, 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 we, wait before we, you... Can, can, can we spend at least one more second just talking about how funny Sanchez was and also how shit Neil Mope is to, to be thrown away from goal and not even get an assist? Fair play to, to Sanchez. He was the one that was actually sprinting back. He even tried to make a little foul there at the end before the goal went in. So I, I, I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> if he rugby tackled the geezer, I also would have respected that. But, you know, the goal was going, it was the end of the game, we'd lost. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It's it's fine. No Chelsea fan is going to care about that goal. Uh, unless, you know, maybe the most staunchant Chelsea fan who's already done a lot of self-adulation that day might might be unhappy about <laughs> the goal. But, but for me, no, it was okay. Um, we'd lost. We'd lost. But I must say, we are looking good. In that time, it's it? a bit of an oxymoron, that. But... Uh, I think that under Poch, we are actually playing some really good football. We're winning the stats game. We're, we're, we're involving some new young players. Uh, we have a huge injury list. And I think that actually when you watch the game, unlike when I was watching the games towards the end of Tuchel's era, especially in Lampard's era, oh my Christ, it was <laughs> boring. It was so mm. boring. And now you actually watch the games and they actually are quite entertaining, albeit mm-hmm. that maybe we're not scoring the goals right now. And, and guys, we have to remember, we're coming off of three wins on the bounce. Or was it two, th- three wins and then a draw at Arsenal? That's, that's really good going, you know. That's not bad. Such a bloody low bar, man. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. But that is such a low bar to hang on but, to. But, but, you know, some bloody but, points, guys. Like, it's not all bad. 
look, you know, it's 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 a trust the process. Trust the process. You know, mm-hmm. if Poch keeps on having these barbecues and we keep on giving the players a good environment to grow in, you've got a couple of young guys there that really, you know, they show a lot of quality. Cole Palmer being one of them, absolutely fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Um, Mudrick is starting to turn the burners on. Shame that we couldn't play him in this game because of a small injury. I definitely think that Armando Broja is a striker for the future. And on the right-hand side, happy to have Sterling play there. Happy to have any one of the remainder play on that side. They're, they're, I, I see a lot in there that that's positive, especially Gallagher, Enzo and Caicedo being the kind of focal point for our midfield. I, 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 I would suggest it would be a struggle to find a better midfield in the Premier League. And I know that both of you are going to say, oh, what are you talking about? But... Let's be honest, guys. Let, let's all. You do you know, know that you lost this game, yeah? Two 0 to Brentford, <laughs> superior midfield of like unknown fucking Norwegian players. But yeah, we move. If you put all your men behind the bar and play behind the ball and play a low block, you know, you're allowed to though. The best midfields are versatile. They can break down teams that sit back. They can hurt you on the counter. They can dominate you. If yours can only do one thing, then it's not that good. Would be my point. And yeah. most teams are going to sit back against Chelsea because they know that you can't score any goals and they know that if they frustrate you, they will get chances. <laughs> so I'd say this is going to be a common theme and if your midfield can't deal with that, then it's not a good midfield for Chelsea. The stats would say that we're doing quite well. The stats, the stats do say that. Um, would you say it's as simple as Nkunku just being brought in because he did seem to make everything work a lot better in pre-season? Oh, thank you, Jack. You kind of just set me up there. We've got Nkuku coming back and Reese James has been seen on the pitch again. So, you know, there is some positivity here. Don't worry about Reese James, mate. It's only going to be two games before he's back on that hospital bed. True. I think it's, um, I think it's good that you're saying the trust the process because I think, obviously, Poch of all people would have been brought in to deal with the carnage, the, like the rubble. Um, and um, it's definitely not going to be like an overnight turnaround so my question for you would be um what would be what is your realistic expectation of where you're going to place and what do you actually want good question this season between fifth and seventh that's where i think we'll place Mm -hmm. i would like top four next season top four that's outrageous can't believe from a tottenham fan as well just because top of the league it's gone to your head the season, the actually... season after, can someone just the season after? We're going to win the fucking league. <laughs> there it is. There it is. You heard it here first. Put your bets on. Yeah. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I feel like this season, more than any before, it feels like there's basically no such thing as a mid-table anymore. I think everyone's playing towards like a top six. You're looking at like Villa. Brighton, Brentford, um, Newcastle. Like, if you think about how many teams are actually playing to a standard that they haven't previously, and I'm guessing a lot of this would be, you know, money. Um, then I think it'd be very difficult to to place where where everyone's going to end up. And I think mm-hmm. we should all completely re level our expectations of like what is a successful finish. Um, if we're now looking at more like a top ten than a top six. Absolutely, clubs are either spending. Aston Villa spent some good money, or they're doing whatever the hell Brighton's doing, where they're just somehow generating a profit and getting better every season. 
So, mm. you know... I'm going to pull you up there. You say somehow. I have a pretty obvious theory. It's because Chelsea keep giving them loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see the cat's got his claws out today. All right, so... <laughs> oh, I've got so <laughs> many Chelsea things that I wanted. Let's, let's, draw, let's draw this back. So, Kukurea, he's playing well right now. Kaiseido, playing well. Shall I go on? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Are there Graham any other players we've purchased? Well, there's Graham Potter and the whole team. Um, that was a big one. Sanchez, the goalie, I'd say mixed, yeah. mixed so far, mixed, probably. Mixed reviews, yeah. But so, over, overall, I think, you know, to end the Chelsea segment on a high, I think that we are, we're going to do well. I don't think this is the season. I think next season or the season after, but Pochettino has been brought in to do a job. That job is not a short-term job. Daddy Todd, I think, is is suddenly starting to learn a little bit about football. <laughs> and, you know, I, I do think we've got a good setup around us um, with everything that's going on to do well in the future. So all we need is one, you know, uh, elite striker. He's coming. With, with, with Broher in the background doing, like, the second striker job. Jackson, maybe that he could be that striker, maybe, but he's yeah. not shown it yet. I think that's a good summary. I just think you've bought a lot of players for very high fees who don't have a lot of actual football under their belts and you're kind of having to do the... You know, like you buy... So like Brighton would do a lot of this work for you, right? They'd like yeah. turn them into really good players and then you buy them. You're having to do the Brighton work um, where you'd want them to be Chelsea level. Chelsea level. Yeah. You know, Evan Ferguson will be there in two seasons' time and then we'll be yeah, happy. Yeah, 120 mil striker. Um but yeah, okay. Surprisingly positive. I thought that was going to be more negative. A bit disappointing. We'll see. Because it's Chelsea Spurs <laughs> next week. And speaking of Spurs, Crystal Palace 1, Tottenham Hotspur 2. Um, yeah, the best ever Premier League start to a season. And the best ever start for a new Premier League manager. What's going on? What? What is actually going on? I was really I, hoping I you'd like tell I'm... us. <laughs> <laughs> I will, um yeah I mean I think first of all I think it's um I think it's actually done everyone a world of good to have no expectations at all for a manager who's never played in the prem to come in and not only are all the Tottenham fans behind him but everyone to my knowledge is fully backing this guy um I think that he's so um he talks with complete sort of self-awareness with with it brings a very kind of um brings like a humility with him um and also isn't afraid mm-hmm. to take the piss out of himself i think mm-hmm. it's very clear that yes we are taking pep tactics i guess everyone tries to or, or everyone would understand it why would be silly would. not to it'd be quite egotistical it to would. not look at what best teams are doing and be like I'll yeah take that. Mm. no but but i also i just think you know in terms of even when you um even when in interviews, the players are saying, yeah, there is no kind of, um, there's complete transparency between the players saying, this is how we want to play. And Ange saying, okay, cool. Let me facilitate your way of playing. I think it's the most important thing is that we are now watching the exact style of football that we've been missing ever since Poch era. And actually I think feels better than Poch era. Um, I would say. Um, I think it's also because, Kane, hold on, I'm, I'm launching into like a whole 
context of Spurs before actually mentioning the game. Let's go back. That's fine. So no, this no, it's game... absolutely fine. We've got plenty of <laughs> um, plenty of episodes to do the game. You know, I feel yeah, like it's yeah. just interesting. What's the vibe? So for context, listener, Bell goes to like basically all the games. So if anyone knows what's the vibe, she actually, knows what's the vibe. I was saying before we actually started recording, so I'm on the uh, waiting list for a season ticket, but I'm still currently to this day, like searching far and wide um, to get a ticket for every single game. And so, uh, yeah, I'm always on the lookout if anyone's listening. Um, I think <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the game on Friday against Palace, um, I think it showed that there are still a lot of gaps. I think that, I think that we aren't confident in who's taking our set pieces. I think uh, I don't ever want to see Basuma take a free kick again. Um, is, it I not, also... is it not just medicine? Is it not always just medicine? Um, so it's not always just medicine. And I think also um, Ange likes to take Sonny and Madison off at exactly 70 minutes every single game that we play. I and see. when the games are now looking at 100, 105, 110 minutes long, we're actually losing our key players for a huge section of the game. Um, mm. And I, I don't really think we have the depth of bench there to, to cover that. I think the second that Madders gets injured, we're fucked. Um, and I also, I think it's interesting because now that we've kind of decided that Sonny's looking best in the middle, um, it's shifted everybody else around where there are certain key players like, um, I'm just trying to think, it's, it's difficult because when there's people like, for example, Perisic or Solomon uh, who are injured, then it's it's hard to fit that gap. And Richarlison mm. isn't finishing like we want him to. He's not that guy. You wasted your money there. He's actually not that guy. I'd say Kulisevsky's not been very good either. Because at, at points last season, I was convinced that he was going to be the best winger in the whole league. He Are you talking unplayable. about the season before? Yeah, where you like started so well and I was like, this is actually hurting my brain to comprehend why we didn't just yeah, buy yeah, Kulisevsky. Yeah. But now he seems to just be pretty, like a just a passenger. Not passenger, but he's not really influencing games in the way that he was before. I have to disagree. I think he had a shit season last season. And then I think under Ange, he's definitely come into his own. But I think the problem is, is that now that we're playing a lot more tight, um, there's just less... Um, we're just crossing over a lot less. So I think he's kind of refocused what he's doing now is that he's going to be like far more like, um, what's the word? Basically, I think he's like slightly shifting his role in a way where he's not been doing under Conte or any, any of the other millions of managers that we've had. Um, but overall, I feel like the morale is up. There is a much higher pass accuracy than there ever was last season. Um, everyone is, I think, feeling a lot more confident in their positions. And I think that a huge part of this is it's a kind of blessing and a curse with, with Harry leaving because um, because the only thing that is leaving me feeling anxious at the moment is that we could have had every game, we could have had at least five goals, but we're not finishing and there's so much hesitancy when we're finally getting to those positions and we're like setting it up and then it's just taking a second and no one's quite brave enough to or hasn't got the experience enough to finish. Richardson is getting so frustrated at himself um, and we're all just kind of frustrated with him. So I think Kane is missed, but I also think we mm -hmm. would not be looking at this Tottenham if Kane was still here. I think so. You, you have to take context that you're looking at uh, 
manager who's been the best performing manager after this amount of games, best performing new manager ever mm-hmm. in Premier League history. And you are in uh, just a state that Tottenham fans and yourself probably can't even imagine, right, from last no. season. So yeah. you have to really give credit to the manager, credit to the players. And mm-hmm. I, I have a, a kind of question for you just on one player who mm-hmm. I think is silently making a bit of a difference with Tottenham. And that is a young man called Papsar. You know, today at the office, I was singing the Papsar song. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not was... familiar with that song. How's it, how's it going? Yeah, well, I didn't bring my beer to the pod, so you will not be hearing the song. One day, maybe, when we win the league. Um, no, I think, yeah, Papsar is incredible. Um, he he was a bit kind of unknown to us because we hadn't, uh, Conte wasn't really starting him. Um, I think the first time, because I saw him in the World Cup because he plays for Senegal, I thought he looked amazing in the World Cup. Um, and then I think the first time I saw him was against Portsmouth in the FA Cup last January, and couldn't take it, you couldn't take your eyes off him. Everyone was saying his name like he was like the new big thing, and um, he's completely come into it this season. Goal against United, his first ever goal for Spurs at home against a huge club was, I think, for him especially because he's so young, it just really like cemented his sort of position with Spurs and I think that's what's really nice actually is that now would be the perfect time to like join Tottenham when there's someone like Sonny as your captain who is just exudes positivity someone like Ange who is probably the most kind of um, accessible um, down-to-earth easygoing person in Tottenham manager history possibly Barpoch um, so he's, he's the best young guy players the it's amazing He's replaced Jurgen Klopp as a likeable, fun, charismatic manager. Jurgen Klopp's mm. got grumpy with his older age. He yeah, did, like uh, he did tell mm. Gary Neville a new one on the weekend. That was that was funny. I loved yeah. that. That was enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone on the pod didn't quite hear about this, uh, you were talking about copying pet tactics earlier, and, and I think Arriga and uh, Neville were having a bit of a shot at him for copying some pet tactics, and he said, "You know, I do it. I do it, mate. You know, I do it. Of course, I do." Uh, so does everyone. And uh, Gary decides to pipe up and says, oh, I tried to copy pet tactics. And Ange, you know, deadpan, says to him, how did that go for you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. And I loved it when they finally said goodbye and he walked away. This is like a few minutes after this had happened. He drops the mic, literally mic drop. And he goes, I'm going to go watch City now. And everyone was like, oh. <laughs> He literally um, can do no wrong. Yeah. I love the guy. Everyone loves the guy. I do Absolutely. feel like interestingly, uh, interestingly enough, I have heard, I, I listen to a lot of talk sport. So, not uh, that that forms any of my stats or opinions that are going <laughs> into this pod. This is all unique. But but they were they were talking about him on talk sport, Simon Jordan especially. And uh, uh, he was saying, you know, what happens when things shift a little bit? And if Spurs do start losing, some of these deadpan comments he makes and some of the very kind of he, yeah, they, they were saying he could turn into Klopp very quickly, where mm. suddenly the media is perceiving all of these quite jokey and smart and you know deadpan remarks as being moody instead of what they are right now, which is just hilarious banter. So I wonder yeah. if the mood would shift if uh, if he uh, if he did somehow start losing and maybe the the 
sort of edge will turn a little bit. Um, I'd be interested to see that as well. I think that um, I think. I think I think he's approaching it with a little bit more humility as he doesn't have the experience of managing a Premier League side. I think that there's also I think what we've got to remember as well is that he's not from a footballing continent or country, we rather. He's um so many of our managers have played in Europe as players or they've played in South America or they've played like they have experienced they've lived their whole lives of football in whatever kind of profession of football it is within a football culture and I think Ange has come from unusual circumstances in an unusual situation and I think that if the media turns on him um I don't think it would I think it would be uh, there, there would be more public criticism of that because mm. he is not your regular manager uh, that's fair you right there the UK media mm. has a very uh interesting way of turning on people that maybe who don't deserve it and i actually think that Andy's yes. probably one of those people that would call that out he doesn't seem he to shit from people the, he jack, definitely would i believe this pod is owned by uh jack this pod is owned by or should be sponsored at some point by a media outlet right so we can't say yeah. any, any names here yeah you gotta be careful because you know the athletics always trying to buy us but we're just batting them away because you know we're like <laughs> Independent, get out of here <laughs> with your big corporation. <laughs> Last question, then, because we have to move on because this is actually not a Tottenham podcast, but I'm interested. And... <laughs> Are you going to win the league? No, because I'm still a Tottenham fan after all. Um, no, but I, as I was saying about kind of reshifting our expectations, I think we've got a shot at top six, definitely. Um, I think we want top four. Um, I think it's going to be interesting if we do end up qualifying for Champions League because uh, we won't have had as much rest time next season. Obviously, we've got to remember, I think Spurs are probably the only one of the only... But it's, in, it's very obvious to see that we're not in any European competition. Um, we've been knocked out the Carabao Cup already, obviously. And so we have huge amounts of time to be yeah. training and to be resting. And I think that has really contributed to our success at the moment. Yeah. And so in a way, I almost feel like um, winning an FA Cup would be like the absolute dream this season and then to qualify for champions. But to win it, I think would just stretch us too far right now. You never know. Really you've, got good, you've got a good first team question. squad. Mm. Okay, okay. You do. Final, final question. Sorry, Jack. I know time is going. <laughs> but for, for the Arsenal fans out there, will you be the second North London Invincible this season? Um, I actually... <laughs> yes, yes, no. Yes, no. Just tell it. Just say yes. Yeah. Push for time. <laughs> yes or no. She's having a meltdown. For <laughs> fuck's sake. Um, just say yes. No, no comment. Um... <laughs> That's, that's was, a secret, um... yes. <laughs> so they're not going to win the league, but they are going to be invincible. God, it's going to be a lot of draws. Lot of, As lot always, of the most important thing is finishing above Arsenal. I can't tell you how absolutely devastating it was to have lost 6-1 to Newcastle within 10 minutes of that game. For Arsenal to be looking like they were going to win the league and for Pochettino to go to Chelsea. All of this happening... On my birthday hangover weekend, I was just on, like, never felt worse. Um, so we've come a long way, let's say that. <laughs> you absolutely have. 
And yeah, on to teams that are struggling with balancing Europe. Newcastle 2, Wolves 2. And they were struggling. They looked tired. It was really wet. And it was very Brexity. And I enjoyed it a lot. And I feel like Newcastle were tired. They've got a lot of injuries. I expect them to raid Saudi Arabia in January and buy Ruben Neves, at least two other mm. players as well. Because guess what? They're owned by Saudi, so they can do whatever they want. They'll be like, we're mm. having him. We're having him. Send it. Especially with the news of Tonali being out. I'd say Ruben Neves is almost a guarantee to move in January to Newcastle. But it's not about Newcastle because, you know, they're not really it anymore, are they? Got that Saudi money now, so it irks me. So I'm going to praise Gary O'Neill instead because I think Gary O'Neill is quietly, potentially, the second best English manager after Eddie Howe now. Better than Moisey. <laughs> Better than, you know, actually, no, that's a lie. Third best because I fucking love Sean Dyche. But I think Gary Neal's actually doing a really good <laughs> job because he's only, he's had two clubs. Bournemouth got banged 8-0 and he kept them up when all hope was lost. Wolves signed no players when he joined in the summer. Their owners were like, we have no money. So the old big name manager left. They were a mess. No goals, no nothing. And now he's got them 12th so far, like competing. They beat City, and Pedro Neto is a top assist maker in the league this season. Wang's got six goals. He never scored six goals in a whole season. Like, he's turned all of these turds into, like, excellent, excellent functioning players that all really care. And look at the state of Bournemouth now. They've got rid of him. Mm. So I feel like he's it's, better it's than Scott Parker. It's also fair to say they, they lost. Mm. I was going to say, he's better than Scott Parker. He's definitely better than Lampard. <laughs> he's better than Gerrard. He's, he's good. He's good. And he was on Match of the Day or Sky or something, and he was breaking down how he beat, I think it was like Brentford or something last week. And you're just like, this guy, he gets it. He knows what he's doing. So I reckon he's going to be like the next big club like manager experiment that goes horribly wrong. What, do you think he's going to go to United? Yes. Ooh. Or actually probably Chelsea, Ooh. because, you know. <laughs> How long do you Chelsea think Pochettino's got at Chelsea? Probably like two more losses, realistically. <laughs> I've, already, I've already said this, you know, trust the process, but United would be, would be very funny. But, you know, I, I, I have to say, they, as I tried to say twice, but I kept on cutting you up there, Jack. Sorry about that. My, my podness is rusty. Um, but... <laughs> They also got rid of their best player, or they sold their best player to uh, mm-hmm. to City. So we we're literally looking at a Wolves who, as Matthias Kunha as their as their number one striker, as well as yeah. Huang Wei Chang. So you know, you're, how is it happening? I have no idea. I think a large part of it is Pedro Neto is back manager. from long term injury, and I think Pedro Neto is the kind of player that Liverpool should look at to replace Salah, that Spurs should look at to like relieve the pressure of that front line. Mm. Chelsea would definitely, he would he would slot into Chelsea's team. Man United, they need a right winger who contributes. Winger, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think his ceiling at 23 and to have seven assists for Wolves, who are terrible, he's so good. He's going to be so good. He's a Champions mm. League player playing in the bottom half for a team that can't score goals and he's dragging them up. So, big fan. Mm. Um, anyone want to add anything on Newcastle Wolves? Not that asked. Because there's, there's one more person I'd like to talk about if you're not asked. And his name is Sean Go Dutch. On then. Go on. 
West Ham nil, Everton won. I fucking love Sean Dyche. I just want to say it, the Brexit derby is game. Like, this is Brexit football. Managers who just hate football, just playing. And they scored one goal and it was a six foot four centre-back charging into the midfield, winning a header and then passing it to another massive striker to score. I'm like, I love that. And that's all I want to say about it. Everton are probably fucked because of financial fair play and the fact that they tried to claim basically about 10 years worth of losses in one go because of COVID. And they were like, this will be fine. Just send it through. Just expense it. It'll be fine. And it's not fine. Um, mm. But what it does open up with the possibility of Everton getting a 12-point ban for one financial fair play reg- irregularity, what does that mean as a precedent for other clubs who might have more than one financial regularity, perhaps 111 financial irregularities? <laughs> Would it mean, here's my proposal, this is my radical proposal, and I'm very biased because I don't like Man City, and that's obviously very clear. Um, Man City start on minus 12 every season for 111 years. Thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, why not? Or or Man City have to sell Haaland to one of their competitors. It will be chosen at a roll of the dice. So it's luck of the draw. And Man City have to pay his wages. Mm. I love that. I think that we should be like live broadcast to every single person in the whole country. We all have to watch. (laughs) Watch his little face. (laughs) Imagine if you went to Luton or something like that, and it's just like <laughs> that would be, be amazing. Um, such a good experiment. I'd love it. Or can Harland get Sheffield United like to seventeenth? That'd be such a good social experiment. But would Harland even be enough, though? No, I think it would have to be. They should just. I think they should have to sell everyone, and then everyone donates like their worst player on the bench to go to go to them. Or, yeah, it could be, like, well, their squad's about 20 players, right? So we'll say, like, basically, everyone just gets one of the players and it's just totally random and that's it, really. Mm -hmm. They have to buy a whole new team. So interesting. And then then their team becomes one of everyone else's team. So So they get Dombele from Spurs. They get Baba Rahman from Chelsea if he's still there. They get, oh, fuck knows, Mm -hmm. I don't know, someone shite from us as well. Perfect. It's not going to happen. Then, all jokes aside, they're not going to get charged because it's too many charges and they're Man City and I hate them. Mm. Um, mm. On to mm. other bring, topics. Bring back Varane and send him to City. <laughs> <laughs> God, he was quality, so terrible. Quality player. Quality player. A ponytail and double denim. You know, it's like, bro, come on. <laughs> at least try and look like a serious professional footballer. <laughs> it just looks like a James not Bond. Like a, like, not like a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so before we wrap up, it's Ballon d'Or Day today. I think we know who's going to win because some people say it's rigged. I personally think winning the World Cup and is pretty a pretty good reason. But do you? Who do you think should win the Ballon d'Or, uh, Bell and Joe? And why do you think that? Do you agree that it should be Messi and it will be Messi, or do you think it should be someone else? Jude. Jude, what a shout! That's the set, Jude. Say no more. I want Jude, and I respect Messi, but I'm a bit bored. Mm. Sorry to say, let's. I respect. (laughs) Like this is what I mean. How long are they going to keep going for? 
It's like you hate I'm football. I'm so sorry. I do like hugely respect yeah. Messi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, true. true. I mean, yeah. Jude is such a great shout, but I don't think, if we're thinking about Ballon d'Or as 2023, he did yeah. well at Dortmund. He's not, he's been smashing it at Real Madrid, but, you know, and, and next year it's his, give him it. He deserves it. This okay. year, I think Haaland, he, for just beating that Premier League goal record for, for his ridiculous tally of goals in the Champions League. Um, and I would love Messi to get it, but I think if you're playing in a Farmers League, you aren't going to be a superstar. I don't yeah. disagree with that. I don't disagree with that sentiment. I think, yeah, playing for PSG and then playing the second half of the season at like, what, is it into Miami? And they're still 14th or 13th. Yes. He did win the World Cup, which was sick because he did play a massive part of that. But Haaland did score 50 goals and win a treble. So it's quite hard to argue, like, where's the, where's the balance? Surely yeah. record-breaking treble. back to you then, Jack. What? Yeah, I think Haaland should win it. He's had, like, the most ridiculous season. But guess what? Everyone hates Man City and no one cares. About, no one cares about your achievements, Man City. Just go home. So, romantically, give it messy because I don't mm. want Man City to win any more stuff. But it should be Haaland, mm-hmm. statistically. And then Jude next year. Jude next year, for sure. Jude definitely next year. Because, yeah, that was my final question. Is Jude Bellingham the best player in the world right now? <laughs> Genuinely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He actually might yeah. be. It sounds outrageous, but who else is doing it big game, week in, week out, like being the main man, getting man of the match? Not, not many. After seeing the Classico this weekend, that was that was just ridiculous. You know, he wasn't even in the game for a short while. It looked like Barcelona were all over it. And then suddenly that absolute hammer foot from outside of the box that it was rude. I don't even know. The goalkeeper saw it, the goalkeeper the goalkeeper knew exactly where it was going, could go nowhere near it. And then to, to do the score in the last minute and do that celebration in front of the Barcelona fans, like he just, <laughs> he just knows that he's it. He knows that he's the guy. Like, yeah. he's just gone into Real Madrid and be like, Modric, don't worry, son. 500 <laughs> games, don't worry, don't worry, son. I've got Vinny Jr. Look, lads, you wanted me here. I've come. Yeah. Benzema, guys, just fuck off to Saudi. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because if, if you compare that to the way that Harry Kane celebrated his goal um, in the Bundesliga at the weekend, which was also a scary goal, and he was just mm. like, yeah. Mm. Barely Harry Kane gets no I don't know if he's just, like, really depressed that he's there. That was, that was like... That was like a Beckham goal, which I loved. Yeah, that was an excellent goal. Yeah, it was, it was. Quite tough for Kane as a final yeah. thought to be watching Tottenham be so good without him. Like selfishly, you kind think of hope that every that single you, night when I go you to had a, a bigger impact. You'd be like, "Ask oh, club captain, top scorer. They're going to struggle without me." And they're just like, "They're just better than ever." It must just hurt his pride. There's a scenario, no. an unlikely one, that Tottenham win the Premier League and Bayern don't win anything, and that will be outrageous for like. The goodness of football. No, no, no. So I've already planned the whole thing. So basically, Harry's going to win the Champions League. So okay. he's got that this season. Spurs are going to win the Premier League. And then okay, we right. need to win it without him. Like, we have to do that. And then Harry will come back once we've already established in our own right that we're not the Harry Kane team. And then it will just be goal, 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 goal. It will just be stunning. It will be like what they thought it would be like when Gareth Bale came back, but mm. actually good. 
<laughs> what well, could go that's wrong? a beautiful final thought for the day. And then, fantastic. <laughs> Just to round up the day then, Harry Kane, beautiful goal. Jude Bellingham, future Ballon d'Or winner. Mm-hmm. And Man City losing and all of their players. Chelsea trust and, the process. And Chelsea trust the process, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just to finalise it, Chelsea to win the league in the next three years. Thank you very much, everyone, <laughs> for listening. Yes, I think, I think Joe uh, will be hungry. So, yes. spot for closing off the game here. <laughs> I, I'm here for it, mate. I'm here for it. So, yes, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Joe, thank you. Belle, thank you. They'll be back because they're excellent at talking about football. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>